Welcome to episode 114 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and I'm grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with me. Whether this is your first or your 114th episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, and maybe even change your life. I'm excited to share this week's conversation with you, and actually, I'm always excited to share this week's conversation, but it, this time, it's because my guest brings a perspective that challenged me, and I'm guessing that you might find yourself challenged somewhere in the midst of this conversation, and when I say challenged, I definitely mean in a good way. It's almost always a positive thing when someone comes along and says something that is the complete opposite of what you say or think. I see it as an opportunity to check in with my beliefs and examine if I still think the same thing today that I did a few years ago or even six months ago. So I'm going to share my personal reflection after you've had a chance to listen to the interview. And I'd love to hear from you through social media or email about what you think about the point on which Jeffrey and I differed. It's ironic that the guy who spent 30 years bringing life into focus as one of the country's most sought after portrait photographers is now inspiring creative entrepreneurs to leverage their so-called lack of focus. Business coach and speaker Jeffrey Shaw encourages entrepreneurs to use their natural creative strengths to build businesses that are profitable and fulfilling so that they can make a living doing what they love. He's the host of the popular business podcast, Creative Warriors. A contributor to the Huffington Post, Jeffrey is also the creator of the online training program, The Creative Warrior Unleashed, and has been cited in various publications and trade journals. You'll find information on how to connect with Jeffrey, as well as links to his Introvert Island book selections and other resources mentioned in this podcast in the episode's show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi, Jeffrey. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. It is a pleasure to be chatting with you today. No, I'm very excited to be here. I, I love your work and your message, so it's oh, a thrill for me. Thank you. Well, what is making you smile today? Oh, gosh. You know, several months ago, I had this awakening, this awareness that we can either get what we expect out of life or we can get what's available in life. And that thought actually inspired a book that I'm writing because I think often we get what we expect out of life, but yet, yet there's so much more available to us. So the inspiration of this book came about and we I wound up uh, spending the winter in Miami where I usually live in Manhattan and uh, just so in love our experience in Miami, we decided to, to move here. Mm. So very quick last minute decision. So what makes me smile every moment of every day these days is awe. I, I wake up, I'm in awe of how beautiful it is here in Miami, the beautiful weather, the awe of watching life unfold, that mm. since I decided to live a life of having it all and not making compromises and trading off, since that awareness came to me and how to go about doing that, I, I feel like I'm living in awe and just watching life unfold. So a lot to smile about. Wow, that just gave me a chill. <laughs> Good. Well, hopefully my book will do the same. <laughs> I hope so too. Do you have a title for the book yet? Not really, you know, working title is kind of having it all because that's mm -hmm. the concept of it. But uh, we've also, we've kicked around a few other things. So no firm title yet because it won't be out till next year. Okay, great. Well, congratulations on, on making the leap both um, in your lifestyle and going to Miami as well as on uh, getting the book off the ground. Thank that's you. That's exciting. 
Well, I, I love to let people know before we jump into the meat of our conversation, um, give them some context about where you fall on the introvert extrovert spectrum, and how that has influenced, uh, you know, how that awareness has influenced your entrepreneurial journey. So where do you consider yourself? Oh, man, that's such a it's such a great thought. And one <laughs> that I, I, you know, I love that because I, I have to say, I guess I would call myself a brave introvert. Mm. Because, you know, to look at the way I live my life and how I exist and how I put myself out there, everyone around me finds it impossible to imagine that I've ever identified as an introvert. Yeah. But I certainly lived a good portion of my life as an introvert. And I consider myself an introvert. So to me, it's I'm being brave. There are things I want to accomplish in the world. There are ways in which I hope to be a part of the bigger picture, the bigger game of this world. And I had to learn to be brave. I had to learn to step up. That doesn't mean that I'm not fearful. I'm always out of my comfort zone or at mm-hmm. least stretching that comfort zone. Yeah. And, you know, so it's it's bravery, but yet I also know how to take care of myself. I also know that I do need to retreat. I do need to recover. I do need when I'm speaking at speaking engagements, I do need to go back to the room and recover. So um, I'd say I consider myself on the scale of bravery. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And and you make such a great point about how it's the honoring of our need to recharge that gives us the strength to be brave. Yeah. You know, it gives us that that resilience um, to go out there and do it. And it sounds like, you know, we'll get into this, but you really believe very passionately in what you're doing. And I imagine that gives you juice for bravery and energy. Yeah, it's yeah, it just you want to accomplish something and in, in primarily for the sake of others, right? There's this the yes. for, for the sake of or uh, the four most powerful words I try to think of on a daily basis, like, why do I stretch myself? for the sake of how I can show up and serve. Mm-hmm. And I just try to hold those words because that's that's what gives me the bravery. I actually, you know, I, I, I actually wear a pair of socks when I speak <laughs> on stage that have um, the word, they're these great socks. And down one sock, one leg, it says fear, and the other leg, it says less. So it could be fearless. Mm-hmm. Or if mm-hmm. I reverse them, it's less fear. Yes. So, um, but I wear that because there is a fearlessness to it. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not fearful. And that's the, that's the caveat. I mean, that's why I think of it as being bravery. Yeah. But I need to kind of I need to tackle the things I do as an introvert with a sense of fearlessness so that I muster up all that strength. Um, but it's certainly not without fear. Absolutely. Thank you so much for really driving that point home. <laughs> because we can hear that fearless statement and think I'm supposed to be without fear. And I love that you can reverse that and say less fear, because fear is part of the human journey, especially when you're doing something that is stretching your comfort zone, or putting yourself out there in a way that is makes you a little uneasy. Yeah, I actually, a number of years ago, I studied Buddhism and and the word fearlessness in Buddhism, actually is defined as the ability to let go of something you never imagined you could have. Okay. Oh, nice. That's why, you know, so in, there's a letting go of the holding on to being an introvert, yeah. which is why the fearlessness part is, but without that explanation, fearlessness is so easily misunderstood. Yes. Um, for me, there is a fearlessness to it because I'm letting go of my identity as an introvert and all that I have emotionally attached to that so that I can show up on stage and be there for others. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I feel like I almost feel complete. Like we could... <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I'm having too much fun. Yeah. So I'm guessing um, that 
part of what you just shared is part of the answer to what I'm going to ask you next, which is around where you have experienced success as an entrepreneur, because you've experienced that success in two industries that even the most talented and hardworking people can struggle in. And that's coaching and family photography, two very different circles to be running in. And I love it. Both with very high failure rates, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I yes, I know. I know that personally from the coaching side of things. I, I'm an amateur photographer, but I can't say that I've, um, I know how highly competitive it is. Um, so what are the strategies or habits that you've learned that make the difference between struggle and success. And honestly, it's you know, 32 years as a photographer. I, mean, I was 20 years old when I started out, so I wasn't highly mm-hmm. conscious of how I did things. I just did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I think that's where my having been an introvert really paid off because I was probably too shy and scared to ask other people, and I really worked from a place of, of instinct and gut. And that's I built my photography business. Um, like I said there was sort of this dichotomy between consciousnesses and unconsciousness, but I wasn't overly conscious in how I did it until many years later when I was very successful as a photographer and people started coming to me and saying, how did you do it? Can you help me do it? So then I had to figure out what were the steps that I took mm-hmm. in order to, and that I think is my core strength. I am able, that's why you know my whole brand is around creative warriors because I'm able to um, help people be successful in businesses where there's really no typical business training in it because I get that way of being in business so so well the number although there are a lot of strategies but absolutely the number one thing when I looked at all my businesses that what was the number one thing that really made a difference and oddly enough it was empathy Mm. and I've come to really own that it kind of is my superpower and I help (laughs) other people find it in themselves because at the end of the day, when you are in the world marketing yourself, your talent, you're putting yourself out there in that way, that you will serve what you want, you know, the results of your business, you will serve that goal best by having incredible empathy for those that you want to serve. And by empathy, I mean walking in their shoes. Do I mean, I, as a photographer, I serve a very affluent clientele. Mm-hmm. I didn't come from that. I didn't know of it. I was raised with all the stereotypes about mm-hmm. that person, right? Mm-hmm. And yet that's who I ended up serving and serving them incredibly well and doing very well at it because I was willing to walk in their shoes. When I realized this was the clientele I was going to serve because our values were aligned, that I knew was you know what we needed for business, but I didn't know how to do it. I had to learn to walk in their shoes. I had to go to the stores that they went to and understand what their expectation of service was. Yeah. I had to look at where they shopped, restaurants they went to, what did the price list look like? What did the websites look like? I had to look, because, you know, I, hey, I was raised in Kmart at best, right? What did I know? What did I know about shopping mm-hmm. at exclusive mm-hmm. stores? <laughs> there, there were no blue light specials in the stores where my clients were shopping. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, Nordstrom does not have those. <laughs> it's a whole other language. So, and same thing as a coach, you know, I mean, yeah. the interesting thing about as I developed my coaching practice, although I had been, as a photographer, I understood their businesses, but there are a lot of things about the people that I could serve that I didn't understand and I had to walk in their shoes because I didn't have a lot of the hangups that I, I that other people have I, I've never had a hang-up about making money as a creative person and a lot of people do nice. so yes. I had to walk in their shoes to understand that in order to serve so to me empathy has been the absolute cornerstone from which then you can build your strategies you build a business model you get very logical but it starts with empathy. And it seems like you also, you set aside any stories or assumptions that you might have had about your customer. Because one of the things I was thinking about was when I saw that you know you, you served an affluent clientele, I thought, why don't more people do that? <laughs> 
you know, because sometimes we're, we're drawn, I think, to kind of having a scarcity model and thinking, well, I don't understand them. And so therefore, how can I serve them? And I hear you saying, use your empathy and learn, <laughs> you know, step into their shoes, enter their world and discover. Right. And unlike you, you know, the, yeah. the Kmart was my clothing shop of choice. But yet in my um, professional life, I am around people that are much more affluent than than I was or am. And what I've learned is they're people too. <laughs> you know, they have the same cares, concerns, fears, yeah. doubts, yeah. the same things keep them up at night. And that is another way I think that um, empathy plays a role because it's like we share this common humanity. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because it's actually something I wind up discussing with a client, my clients all the time is uh, letting go of judgment. Because first of all, fundamentally, mm-hmm. and it's it's actually part of my upcoming book about uh, practices to welcome abundance and prosperity and having it all. And and something that you have to be rid of is you have to be rid of any negative assumptions or judgments you have about that which you want to become Mm -hmm. right if you want to become affluent if you want to become successful if you want to live a life of having it all and that doesn't have to be monetary but if you you cannot judge people that have it all you can't be jealous of them you can't be envious of them you can't pass on judgment and i agree with you i think that's actually been something that has served me remarkably because i grew up in a family that had plenty of judgment Mm -hmm. believe me um and yet somehow it just didn't, I just didn't buy it. It didn't seem right to me. It didn't, and I, I just didn't hold that. Um, and quite honestly, all the quote unquote stereotypes about rich people, none of them have been true. Right. I mean, I haven't seen any of them. I mean, these are the most, the families most focused on their families and their children that I've ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Children come first in these families. They're not raised by nannies. There's been so, so many misjudgments. So I couldn't agree with you more. Putting aside assumptions and judgments and, and making sure you don't hold any negativity about that which you want to become, that's essential to being successful. Absolutely. And what you're sharing makes me think of, and you know, we could probably spend the rest of the time talking about this particular topic because it's so rich, yeah. but um, I'll just say quickly that um, shame, you know, checking in with yourself yeah. around um, not just the stories you have about them, but the stories that you have about yourself and the stories that maybe you were, um, that you grew up around that, that prevent you from having it all and going for those right. things and just noticing where shame might be showing up. Yeah, great point. Well, um, so I want to move to a, a related topic, I think, because you mentioned on your website, especially when you're talking about your coaching, that it's possible that sales becomes service. And most introverts I know that I work with bulk at the word sales. You know, it's like <laughs> yes. not, it, but we resonate with the idea of service. Yeah. So what's the shift that makes the approach possible that takes us where sales becomes a service? You know, to me, the point of sale, whatever that is for anybody, that is the service, right? I mean, that, that, so the reframing that I think needs to take place is that that's actually what, it's almost the point of sale is actually for which people have hired you for. So for example, I mean, people have been hiring me for decades um, as a photographer, but my primary service is helping them choose the photographs. Mm-hmm. That's the sale, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. yes, the service and showing up to the, the beach and photographing their family and making sure they have a great experience. But at the end of the day, helping them choose the portraits that they're going to have for a lifetime, that's the service, which is why I have no problem. I, mean, I have never had any problem guiding my clients as to what I think is the best decision for them. Mm-hmm. You know, simplicity, curation, these are values that I think are, I know are important to people, making people's lives simple, helping them 
you know, curate through all the choices that are available to them is has huge value to them. I, I often equate it to going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason why when you go to the doctor for a physical, the nurse does 90% of it. <laughs> You're paying the doctor for his, his prognosis, his diagnosis of the exam. The exam is not the act of service. His reinterpreting the exam is the act of service. Mm, nice. And that, I think, for most most of us, the point of sale is actually the cornerstone of the greatest act of service that we can do. So when people get that, they let go of the, you know, again, the old judgment of what it means to sell. I also, and I wrote an article about this for Huffington Post, helping people make the distinction between are you showing up salesy or are you showing up committed? Mm, it's a big mm-hmm, difference, mm-hmm. right? I know I can tip the scale sometimes and maybe come across like I'm being salesy to people, but I know I'm showing up fully committed. And and 99% of the time, if I'm, if I'm guiding someone and suggesting, it's like, you, you know, you need to let me coach you or you need to <laughs> buy my online program. Like when it's coming from a place that I'm not selling it because I don't, I don't need your next dollar, mm-hmm. what I need is to show up for you and help you. People can feel that difference and, and we have to rely on how that energy comes across. And that actually, I think, is uh, you know showing up committed in, in full service. And that touches on something that I think introverts, and I know myself, if somebody's remotely coming across as quote unquote salesy, then it can be a huge turnoff. And it's, it's important to perhaps sit with it a little bit and discern, is this person simply passionate? Yes. Or are they inauthentic? You know, because we have a radar, you know, that can pick that up and to not dismiss out of hand this idea that just because you're showing up passionately means you're going to be, you know, perceived as salesy. Because if you're really authentic, the people that that is meant to resonate with, it's going to resonate. It will land. Yeah. And I think, you know, we introverts, I think we have a better radar and a better beacon Mm -hmm. than most. Like I think as a beacon, I think we put out our purest energy, our most sincere energy better than most. And I think we pick up on it better than most from other people because we're inward. Yes. Yes. So I, I think the introvert entrepreneur is is at such an advantage because we can beacon out the purest of energy that feels to other people like it's authentic mm-hmm. and you know truthful, which calls forward the right people. Yeah. So I really feel, especially having been in business for three decades, more than three decades, I mean, I've seen this transition. I think we are living in a world that's so much more energetic based yes. uh, than people even realize. And, and it really, to me, truly puts uh, the introvert entrepreneur at an advantage today. And if we look at introversion as an energy, which is how I prefer to look at it, then how do you, as, instead of personality, which means like, you know, how are you showing up externally, but energetically, what's coming from internally, then there's more of an invitation and space to trust that enthusiasm and that to know for yourself. Yes. I know that I'm showing up yes. with authenticity and sincerity. I love that approach. Thank you so much for putting that framework around sales, because I think it, it always is important to be, you know, examining our stories and our assumptions. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, finding those new ways. Um, when I look at your business, it looks like you've been very open to having an organic evolution. But at the same time, you have been very intentional about the direction you want to go. How have you negotiated all the possibilities that come your way and that you conceive of? And how have you known where to put your energy? Hmm. Great question. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm actually not very intentional. I think the, the <laughs> it results. Comes across that way. <laughs> I know. As I say, I think the results I've created look very intentional, but I'm really not. I, I'm much more uh, in the moment. And, and again, the 
the work that I do is to help be, people be more of, of really who they are and to leverage their natural strengths. And as an introvert, uh, I, I think one of our natural strengths is our ability to sense, to feel, and to observe. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I to this day I credit the whole reason why I became a photographer was because of my introversion. Because I was a, I'm a masterful observer. Yeah. Um, I observe, I witness people in front of a lens or you know out in an audience. And yeah. you know, when you you learn the power of witnessing and laying eyes on on people and and the power that can have to change them. So for me, I've always really relied on my strength of observation and intuition to make decisions. And I make decisions very quickly because I, I, I fall into them deeply. I lean into them quickly and I sense them. Oh, wow. Then I lay out a strategy or an, and, a, and an intention. Wow. So wow. I follow what I sense. I follow what I sense in society. If I think that the mood of my clients is going in a direction, if the mood of the market is going somewhere, I sense that. I observe that. Mm -hmm. um, follow it and then lay out an intention and a strategy which is, I think, opposite of the way most people go about business. And as far as habits, I think one of my most solid habits that has served me well is that I get everything done ahead of time. I am I have the complete opposite neuroses of procrastination, whatever that might be. Uh, it's no better, no worse, but I, I get everything done ahead of time. I'm three hours early to the airport. Mm -hmm. um, I see no value in undue stress. So that has served me incredibly well. And I, I honestly, I think it's actually based in that being an introvert because I, <laughs> yeah. I I don't like to call attention to what feels like unpreparedness. Mm -hmm. right? That's why I get everything mm -hmm. done ahead of time because as an introvert, that makes me extremely uncomfortable. At this point in my life, I don't mind being seen. In fact, I like being seen, but I don't like to be examined. Yes, <laughs> that's a great distinction. <laughs> There's this vulnerability that comes up from unpreparedness for me that's so strong, rooted in being an introvert, that I get everything done way ahead of time so mm -hmm. that that is not examined. People don't look, you know, when everything's done ahead of time, everything's buttoned down, and it, you make life look easy, um, people don't look so deeply, and, and that makes me comfortable. Honestly, I had never, I had not thought of it that way. I always think of our desire to be prepared as in, we are often not in the moment given time and space to think. Yes. You know, there's, uh, I'm thinking particularly maybe of meetings or making decisions and whatnot, that there's the pressure of the moment. And so being prepared allows us to be present in that moment and participate fully and feel like we've gathered our thoughts and can contribute in a way that is true. And you are adding that dimension of, and if I'm not prepared, then that causes a bit of like, for some reason, I keep picturing this woman like running into a meeting and like, oh, 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 you know, I'm so sorry, I'm late and papers are dropping everywhere, you know, <laughs> and they're just drawing attention to themselves. And yes. you're, you're absolutely right that unpreparedness does put a spotlight on you that is not comfortable. Right. You know, as I had said, I mean, the cornerstone of my work for myself and for the people that I serve is using what you've got. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that phrase, you know, use what your mama gave you, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's in all forms of life. And hey, I was given this this position in life as an introvert. Like this is just, you know, this is was, is natural for me, but it's I've never like all the other quirks I have about me. Um, I actually went down this whole list in a group coaching call once about, you know, I'm left-handed, I'm blue-eyed, you know, I could mm -hmm. give you a whole list of things and how I'm on the outside of normal. 
Right. <laughs> and but those are all great things for me, right? Yes. I mean, it's you know, so same thing with introversion. If it is in the minority, if you will, um, I don't care. It's mm-hmm. it is who I am. And actually, this is another place where I am fully aware that my that that introversion sense of not wanting to draw attention that I don't want on me is exactly what causes me to get things done ahead of time. I'm so okay with that. I'm going to leverage it and use it. And I, I said, I think it's probably one of my best habits that's made me successful. Awesome. Well, I want to close here with a question uh, that taps into you as coach. Mm. And, um, you know, coaches are known for their powerful questions. And and I know as a coach, I often find myself repeating a similar question in different situations with different clients that has a standalone particular power of its own. And I'm wondering for you, what's one of the most powerful questions that you find yourself asking clients over and over again that tends to lead to deeper awareness and clarity? You know, it's fine. I just recently started using this with my coaching clients because it actually started out as part of my podcast where I have these four discovery round questions I ask each guest at the end of the podcast. And the first one mm-hmm. is is very powerful and I've realized the power of it and it is what drives you crazy. It's <laughs> great. Right. And the reason I ask that is because it, it kind of wraps up my podcast mm-hmm. and because you find it's kind of shocking and I can't tell you how many of my podcast guests were set back by the question because they realized when they answered it, it's exactly why they're doing the work they are in the world. Mm-hmm. They just had never made the connection. But I believe, you know, our human nature is such that our most purposeful work is often based in something we are either currently healing from or would love to make sure other people in the world don't encounter. Yes. So it's like there's like what drives you crazy. It might be injustice. It might be like for me, what drives me crazy is people being put into a box, Mm -hmm. whether they're stereotyped or, you know, in in my case as a coach, I what drives me crazy is seeing creative entrepreneurs, what I refer to as creative warriors, being given really bad old-fashioned, outdated business advice, like find a niche. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, come on, that was the (laughs) 80s, right? I could give you a whole list of reasons why that doesn't work today, Mm. you know, particularly for creatives, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, my statement on my Twitter profile is forcing focus blocks creativity. And we get multiple tweets a day about that because people that are similar to me, they totally get that. Mm -hmm. But yet we're told, we're given this bad advice to focus on one thing. It doesn't work for us. Leverage your expanded, as a creative person, leverage your amazingly beautiful peripheral vision that you can take in more content in the world. And how can you apply it in multiple ways? Yeah. So that question, what drives you crazy, almost always gets really down deep and starts helping people find their core purpose. Nice. Well, here's my um, here's my podcast ending question. <laughs> I'm so glad you shared what drives you crazy. Um, and I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, I can agree with putting people in a box. Mm. I think that that's very true, especially when it comes to, it's not just introverts. And, and it includes extroverts, too. People put extroverts in a box. Oh, absolutely. Um, and make certain assumptions about them. And if we can just unwrap that box and see that there's this cacophony, potpourri, you know, buffet, all those words that, you know, represent this myriad of diversity that we'll learn we can't put anybody in a box. It doesn't matter what you think you know about them. Yeah. That's great. Absolutely. So you may or may not, well, you might need this after you move (laughs) because (laughs) of all of the activity, but you've been granted a three-week vacation on Introvert Island and you can only take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? Hmm. Okay. So... Let me think. Um, I would take 
the first comes to mind two books that I've already read but want to read again. So one is called The Geography of Genius mm -hmm. uh, by uh, Eric Weiner. I, I had him as a podcast guest. I wasn't familiar with the book. Some of my team came across the book and, oh my gosh, it's it's about uh, genius and environment and which came first, mm -hmm. right? Was it the environment that created pockets of genius like Florence and Athens? And, you know, there's then these pockets of genius. Yeah. And was it the environment that created the genius or was it that the genius gathered and created the environment? Mm. You have to read the book and, and have your own explanation of that. But it, the book takes you on a journey to all these places in the world where genius has been created and creativity. And I need to read it again because it was such a, I, I went on vacation by reading the book. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> the second would be, it's never too late to begin again. Brand new book by Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist Way. Yeah. And I was blessed with the opportunity to interview her for my podcast. I was her first podcast interview, the first interview of any kind for her new book. Wow. I read the book for the interview, but I didn't get to do all those great exercises that she's so good at offering. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely bring that with me on an island because I want to do every one of the exercises. Yeah. And then last is a book I haven't read, um, and I keep get, meaning to get to it, uh, TED Talks by Chris Anderson, mm -hmm. because I love, I'm a huge TED fan, but beside that, I, I, I always want to figure out how to get my point across quicker. And that's what I think is such a value about TED training and what TED has to offer. And I recently signed up to, um, I'm hoping to speak on The Moth, you know, those little five-minute stories. Yes. I, I love yes. always being able to learn how to get your point across quicker, because I think it serves people. And of course, it's my dream to give a TED Talk. Yes. Um, so that would be the book I haven't read that I would bring with me. And I love that you just put that intention out there into the universe. <laughs> we will see you on a TED. Yeah, it's, it's always there. I carry yes, it. Yes, and cherish it, it and <laughs> put it out there. Excellent. Well, uh, Jeffrey, how can people learn more about you and what you have to offer? And I also want to you know, give a shout out to your podcast as well. Thank you. I think the best way to get a taste of what I do and have some fun in the process is um, a free seven-day online course I have called Week of the Warrior. Mm -hmm. So one can get that by going to weekofthewarrior.com. Uh, it's a seven day, every day you're, you're, you're just asking about powerful questions. Every day you're asked a powerful question, you answer it. And in your answer, you get a piece of a puzzle. And at the end of the seven days, the pieces of a puzzle uh, make up what we refer to as the path of the creative warrior. So it really kind of nice. gives some context to what it feels like to be a creative person in business. So it's fun, it's light, and it really gives a strong value of, of the way that I think. Mm -hmm. And then um, my podcast is Creative Warriors which resides on my community website, which is Creative Warriors Unite. And on Creative Warriors Unite, there's plenty of free content. There's an invitation, of course, to join my closed Facebook group where we have thousands of uh, creative warriors hanging out and, and being ourselves. Yeah. Um, so those are those are the best ways to reach me. Excellent. And I can say as a past guest on your podcast, what a wonderful job you do and how much pleasure it was to chat with you with the tables turned. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I really do hope that folks go and, and find that. And I'll definitely include links to that, um, as well as the interview that we did together on uh, the episode show notes. Uh, it's still a popular one. So most definitely. Oh, excellent. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey. Um, I feel like we could just keep on talking. <laughs> but, <laughs> and perhaps we will uh, be able to have an encore interview sometime in the near future, I hope. So thank you. Yeah, maybe after the book is out, we'll have a lot to exactly. talk about. Exactly. I would love that. So thank you so much for taking time, especially when you are in such a huge uh, transition. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I totally had fun with that conversation, and I really appreciated what Jeffrey brought to the table. 
If you've listened to me for a while and you have followed the podcasts or heard me on other podcast conversations, or if you've read my book, you might know what I'm going to point out as where Jeffrey and I had a difference of opinion. And it's around niches and narrowing your business focus to specific markets. Jeffrey shared that he thought that the concept of niches was outdated and bad advice. And I have a different perspective on that. I believe that it's timeless wisdom that we find who we work best with or what message we feel most passionate about and lead in our business with that. Jeffrey and I had an off-the-record conversation about the topic after the interview, and I completely get where he's coming from. He sees business owners, especially creatives, trying too hard to put themselves into tiny boxes that don't honor their natural curiosity and desire to explore and experiment. After all, why stop playing the field when the field is so much fun and holds so much potential? I really do get that. And I know Jeffrey is not alone in his philosophy, as I've heard Chris Gillibo, author and founder of the World Domination Summit, say that he doesn't really buy into the idea that specializing or having a niche is necessarily a good thing. I respect both Chris and Jeffrey tremendously, and I appreciate that both of them challenged my thinking on this point. And yet... I still stand by my belief that when you're in a market in which customers or clients have an overwhelming number of choices, it's beneficial to have a distinct offering that facilitates their choice. It might help them to say yes, or it might help them to say no. Either way, you're doing both of you a favor by being clear about what you have to offer. I continually go back to a fabulous quote I heard several years ago. A confused mind always says no. I've seen so many entrepreneurs, especially coaches and consultants and others who are service-oriented, who promote every single assessment, tool, certification, and model that they can possibly use with a client. They say, I can work with you at the beginning, the middle, or the end of your process, no matter what your business or your goals. As a prospective client, if my mind has to work too hard to figure out if you're a good fit for me, it will just say no and move on to the next person. Here's another important point about niches that I believe supports the concept. What I found is that focusing on introvert entrepreneurs hasn't limited me to working with introverts or entrepreneurs. I have clients who are extroverts and clients who work in traditional work environments. The introvert entrepreneur is my ideal client, the center of the ripple. It's where I focus my energy so that I'm not trying to be all things to all people. Then there are concentric circles that go out from the center, and they include introverts in corporations or nonprofits, extroverted small business owners, and people who don't even think about their introversion or extroversion, but who like my message and approach. So the niche hasn't limited my market, but rather created a certain resonance with a segment that I know I work well with and care about, which then has an echo effect that attracts others outside of that. And if someone sees the name of my business and says, oh, that's not a good fit for me, I'm totally fine with that because there are an equal number, if not more, who see that business name and say, oh, that's me. And those are the people that I want to resonate with. And there's one final thing I want to say about this, at least for now. Choosing a target market or specialty does not preclude you from serving a wider range of people or exploring other opportunities outside of that target. 
In fact, having a firm home base can give you the freedom you need to stretch even further because you have a foundation in place. And usually that foundation equals consistent revenue streams. So you can play and explore knowing that the basics have been covered. Oh, and that makes me think of one other thing. Just because you choose a niche doesn't mean it owns you. You own it. You can decide to keep it forever or to let it go when it's no longer serving you. It's your choice. I'm completely invested in the introvert entrepreneur, and I also sense that it's not my forever message. As I grow as a coach, entrepreneur, and person, I'm opening myself up to new ideas that weren't in my awareness six years ago when I founded The Introvert Entrepreneur. I'd be doing a disservice to myself and the people I work with if I denied myself the opportunity to explore and evolve. That evolution is what it means to be human. So even as you put your stake in the ground, be open to the adventure and the unknown. And speaking of adventure, I have one to offer you. You might have heard in the last episode that I'm launching a virtual book group discussion of The Introvert Entrepreneur, starting on May 3rd. Over the course of six weeks, we'll do a deep dive into the concepts shared in the book, and most importantly, we'll talk about how to take those concepts and apply them to your business. People are starting to sign up, so act now to secure your spot. The deadline to enroll is April 28th. You can read all about the book group, including how it all works, how to sign up, and what benefits you'll get from it on my website, theintrovertentrepreneur.com. You'll find the link under the navigation item, Work With Beth, and I'll include a direct link in the show notes for this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your friends and colleagues and take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you access it from. Your review will help someone else discover this podcast, so thank you so much in advance for your consideration. Next week, I'll be in conversation with creative entrepreneur coach Chelsea Karcher, chatting about how to find your creative voice and use it as a means for finding clarity and direction in your business. There's a link in the show notes to her website so you can meet her in advance. Special thank you to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and to my assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes, and especially to you for sharing this time with me. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.